Can you hear me? <laughs> hey, everybody, it's Nick. Hola, Nick! Just wanted to take a few minutes to let you find folks know how you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter at the It's Too Wordy One and on Instagram. Just look for It's Too Wordy. We also have a Discord set up, The Haunted Log. If you like what you hear, maybe considering throwing us some of your spare change. Maybe some of your hard-earned loot. Maybe some stuff you find in your car cushions. Who knows? Anything will go a long way. And you can do that by visiting our Patreon page at Patreon backslash HouseBTS. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this episode. This week on It's Too Wordy, I found a little turtle, but it went crap in my hands. It got away. Look it! Welcome everybody to this week's episode of It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast where three buddies discuss comic books from their childhood and today. I'm Kirk. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. How are we doing this week, guys? I'm just a box full of happy little kittens. Yeah, ditto. Yeah. Yeah? You yeah. on vacation this week? Yes, I am. Yeah, you picked a snowy week to go on vacation there, Nick. So this week we're going to be discussing Lock and Key number one and two, and Count Crowley number one. Should we do Count Crowley first? All right. What do we think? Don't everybody go at once. I liked it. I thought it was cool. It's, yeah. It was pretty awesome. I'm a fan of horror hosts, so... I liked how she, like, camped it up, and she's like, yeah. <laughs> this is a story. It's based in 1983, and they're in a small market in Can- in uh, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And the TV horror host goes missing, and her brother runs the studio and asks her... She's a reporter, and she... Pretty much gets fired because she gets drunk at a Renaissance yeah. fest yeah, he and calls them out on the busts them out on the cheap, yeah. ball, uh, cheap wine, and so she almost gets fired. And he's like, "No, just come back tonight. Put on makeup. They won't know who you are, and play Count Crowley." And reluctantly, she comes in, puts the makeup on, and just starts going off script. Just ah, here's this stupid movie. Uh, it's probably crap. So enjoy. You know, yeah, stuff like that. Stuff like that, yeah. And then you find out that Count Crowley, the real guy, was an actual monster hunter. And now the monster is coming after her. I kind of dug it. I don't know, Ryan. What about you? What about you, Ryan? This was a book. Yeah. I didn't dig it. No? No. Well, I did laugh about the beer part or the alcohol part at the most expensive wines and... Oh, yeah? Why is it this box stuff? I mean, there's some aspects of it that I did enjoy. I kind of like the uh, her going off script kind of thing. But I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into the story. I had a hard time just going, yeah, this is. I'm going to pick up the next one and see what happens. Like For me, uh, it didn't do anything for me. Okay. I guess that's why we have this show, right? Yeah. I mean, if we didn't, like I said, if we didn't have differing opinions, it would just be... It'd be, oh, I loved it. Yeah, I know. I loved it, too. Yeah, very, very insightful of you that you liked the same book I did. Yeah. (laughs) It's a a good book if you're, you know, into that kind of a thing. It just, for me, it was not something that... But I think part of it is I also know that I have a long list of books coming out soon. 
and I've got to cut certain areas so I can get said books that I'm am excited about where this one I didn't get any kind of excitement out of it. It was just kinda of like, Yeah, that was a book. All right. Yeah. Moving on. No. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Because you have a lot of stuff coming in. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't have a pull file. So I just right. yeah. I'm, I'm I just go in and be like, Oh, that one looks cool. Yeah. Or hey, this is the one that we were assigned, so I'm gonna pick up like three books. I make one and then I'm like Yeah, I want a little I want all these other ones over here. Yeah. So it changes from time to time. Yeah, the 2099 universe is about to start up for Marvel, and I'm going to be getting all those. And I've got a whole bunch of Aftershock stuff, and I've got, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I've got to cut someplace. And this was just a book that I felt that I could, I don't feel like I need to continue to read. Yeah. Right. No, that perfectly makes sense. Yeah. I gave it a three. You gave it a three? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to read another one. It's only four issues miniseries, so. I probably will pick up the rest of them just to see where it goes mm-hmm. because you know I I like like Bloodstone from Marvel. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of like Vampire Hunter like books that I like. So sure. this one maybe I'll probably pick it up again. So probably How would you rate it? Probably a three. 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 See, here's the thing. I'm giving it a three. I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's fantastic either. So yeah, yeah. I mean, didn't change my opinion on the score. Just yeah. Nope. Okay. Cool. All right. So up next we have Lock and Key number one and two. I love this book. Me too. To get the whole effect, you actually need to read all of it. Mm-hmm. But Lock and Key, the first series is called Welcome to Lovecraft, and it kind of explains. So there's a family house that has all these mysteries to it. It's door house or something. Like door that. house, right? Yep. And the kids. There's three kids, and they end up having to move to Door House because, unfortunately, the father gets murdered. The mom gets attacked. Yeah, you weren't quite injured. Like, in the in the first book, like, you weren't sure if she was dead. Right. Because there's blood all over the room, and the guy walks out, like, zipping up a zipper. Yeah. It's like, that's disgusting. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I'm glad they don't really go into what happened to her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they end up having to go to Door House. And Brody, the youngest, is wandering the house... And trying to get into things like crazy. I, I don't know how old he is, four or five? He's probably four or five. Yeah. And he happens to see a key. He grabs the key, unlocks the door, walks through the door, and his physical body falls dead as his ghost goes through the door. And it freaked him out. He went back. He got back in his body. He's good. And he decides to do it again. And then starts listening in on his brother and his sister and some of the family conversations and uh, he finds out that when somebody's thinking about him, he gets pulled to him. Or if he's thinking about them, he gets pulled to him. And he, his goal was to go out and find his dad's spirit so he could talk to his dad. He writes it up at a school paper, or for as a school paper. On what he did this summer? On what he did this summer. And that came home, and the mom saw it and was like, uh, yeah, don't share everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand. I mean, that's kind of weird. Actually, we should step back for a second. The dad said in a flashback, if anything ever happens, go to Door House because this is a safe place. So, and they got that in a flashback. So they think they're in a safe place with this Door House. And they go down to, what is it, like a mill? It's like a well. It's it's, it's the well. It's the yeah. well. It's the well house. And Brody keeps on getting hollered at from... A voice in the well. A voice yeah. in the well. And he finally goes in, or he gets his brother and sister, and they go down to check it out. And it's locked. They can't get in. Brody found a window, climbs in, 
and starts talking to this voice from the well. And she's like, oh yeah, I can't get out until somebody opens the door, blah, blah, blah. I've been here since your parents were here, or your dad was here. It's, you know, it sounds like it's just a ghost in the well kind of thing, and Brody's making friends with it. He goes back later, because this ghost in the well made a wish list of a mirror and a razor? Is that right? Scissors. Scissors. A mirror and scissors, and he tosses them down in the well to the ghost. Well, the ghost picks up the mirror, and it shows this gnarly-looking creature, and... This ghost in the well is connected to one of the guys that committed these crimes against the parents. And the ghost in the well gave the mirror and the scissors to the guy that's now in jail that committed the crime against his parents. Their parents. And this that's where it kind of leaves off at by issue two. Mm-hmm. Issue one was a lot of build up, but you really don't get into the story until issue two. Um, this is done by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Joe Hill, for those who don't know. Stephen King's kid. So he writes a lot of horror books. This is one of the most, it's supposed to be a horror book, but it's so fun. Yeah, it's got a little bit of whimsy to it. Yeah. Um, Art's gorgeous. Development of characters is well paced. I know some of the earlier issues are going to be a little bit more expensive. You might be better off trying to track stuff down via trades. And the trades are beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. The hardcovers are gorgeous. They got, you know, like satin bookmarks and... Yep. It's just really well put together. And there's only six of them, and you can find them all over the place. And there's a couple of one-offs that they did since then. I think he's actually doing one more this upcoming year. It takes a couple of months, I think, that continue the story. He could go on for, with this forever because all these keys do different things in this house, and the kids keep finding these keys. And mm-hmm. it's well worth looking into, you know, continuing to read it. Because, one, like, Welcome to Lovecraft, it wraps up a story fairly well, but leaves a little bit of a cliffhanger, so you want to go to the next. Yeah. And he does that with every book. I would definitely give this a five. It's a five. Yeah. It, it's a five plus. Because it's probably one of the best horror books in a long time. Yeah. Just the way that he did it. Not saying, you know, my name is Joe King. Using a different name so we don't know exactly who you are. I, it's, I don't know. I don't know really how to describe how good this book is. But if you've never read it, you got to go check it out. I, I would definitely, you know, you see all these lists of top ten uh trades you have to read before you die or whatever and i never see lock and key listed on that and i think it needs to be in the mix heavily it's just unbelievably good take off how to understand comics and read lock and key yeah (laughs) yeah i would agree with that all right ryan who's the d-list character for this week so here's the five it's a five uh, here's the deal. Both books that we did, normally we do a D-list character off of both, or one of the two books that we did. Count Crawley has no backstory whatsoever, so that you have no attachment to any characters. Really can't do a D-list character off of that. Lock and Key, you've got plenty of characters, but honestly, I don't want to give away anything on those, so I'm not going to do a D-list character off of Lock and Key. So I went rogue, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Mr. Wickles. Who is that? Also known as the Black Knight from Scooby-Doo, Episode 1, released in, on September 13th, 1969, created by Hanna-Barbera. I figured, I gotta come up with some kind of, you know, ghost-type thing, right? Yeah, why not? So, Mr. Wickles was a museum curator at the County Museum. He dressed as the Black Knight to scare visitors away during his art-forging scheme. His appearance was fairly short, overweight, middle-aged, balding on top, but his remaining hair was black. And he did wear thick frame glasses. So the way the Scooby gang got involved with him was they, for whatever reason, are a delivery service and were delivering 
the Black Knight ghost statue, and they deliver it to Mr. Wickles. And Mr. Wickles said they probably shouldn't have done that. He, Although he was appreciative, they should probably shouldn't have done it, especially after the disappearance of the professor. No sign of Marianne or Ginger, just the professor. Because of the Knight, Black Knight legend, the gang did discover he was the Black Knight after being chased around by him. And he did kidnap the professor to prevent him from finding out that he was doing fraudulent paintings. And he, the professor was the only one that would be able to tell that the paintings were fraudulent. I love Scooby-Doo, but I never put analyzed this as much as I did when I wrote this up and realized this is a county museum. How high in demand is the art from a county museum where you're doing fraudulent paintings? <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently high because you got a guy who gets high and talks to his dog who wants to solve the mysteries. That has never been proven. We Sure. We just watched the movies again. And uh, when they're sitting on the beach... In the mystery, mo- yeah, mystery machine. They they're like, I'm them. so baked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's always that little bit of a hint of a reference there, but uh, never proven in the cartoons. So we got a sponsor. Uh, we got sponsored by Krypton Comics in Omaha, Nebraska, which is cool. They're probably the largest store in town. They are. They are the largest store in town. Yep. Ryan is affiliated. Yes. yes. And from time to time, we're going to tell you where they're at at cons and specials that they're having, sales that they're having on. So if you want to just check them out, tell them you heard it from us. Yeah, there's a updated list on Facebook of upcoming events. We just missed Halloween Fest or whatever it was where you got free Halloween comics and they did a 20% off sale, but they do kind of that kind of stuff all the time. Um, I know that they will be having another sale on Black Friday. I'm not sure what the percentage of that is going to be at yet. They always have something going on, so definitely go check them out. And they've got a huge back selection. So if you're looking for some back stock on some books, place to go. It's that time now for everybody's favorite segment. The Random Reads! How many you got this week? Three. Three. I've got two. All right. So I'll go first. The first one I'm going to do, I never read a Judge Dredd book before. And I got to say, um... I hope it gets better, because I opened it up, and there's all these symbiotes running everywhere. Symbiotes everywhere! You get a symbiote! Ryan gets a symbiote! Woo-hoo. Everybody gets a symbiote! I'm so sick and tired of symbiotes. Can we have something different, please? So, they're under Mega City 1, and they're thinking that this alien creature is trying to take over the, uh, the city. In all reality, it's trying to save the city. It can do no harm. It can only heal. So the whole book is basically them trying to protect it from this anti-alien group. And anything that goes into this this cave melts. It disintegrates no matter what it is. The only thing that doesn't disintegrate is your body if you have a symbiote inside your body. So Dredd and Anderson and the red-headed guy, I don't know what his name is, I'll find it here in a minute, are all protecting the aliens, and it's basically a shoot 'em up You learn that Dredd's a little softy, because he decides that to give refuge to the alien, and that puts him under protection of the judges. So there's a riot all the time being caused by these religious people. The redhead's guy name is Scammon. So these three people have a, a symbiote. 
symbiote, symbiote, symbiote. They protect. They, long story short, they end up protecting the alien, and Scammon decides to stay and be the judge in the spillway where the aliens are are living. The religious leader comes to find out has a symbiote living inside of it of them, and so the judge orders that the alien inside of the person has asylum, so they have to remove the symbiote from the religious leader and put it into another host body at the end. It was okay. It was probably two and a half, three. Probably didn't help. I came in at the end of a storyline. So that's what I got for that one. The Judge Dread books are hit and miss. I would definitely recommend Old Dread. Yeah. One European Judge Dread, not American company Judge Dread. Not Batman and Judge Dread, any three incarnations of it. Okay. All right. What? You don't like when... Dread gets hit by fear gas and he sees like happy bunnies and stuff and he's afraid what? of happy bunnies. Are you kidding me? No, it's awesome. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> when does that take place? In like the seventies? No. No, the nineties. Nineties, yeah. Oh wow. When crossovers were heavy, everybody was doing it. Okay. And then the second one I picked up, I picked up Marauders. Did you pick this one up as well, Ryan? I did. Alright, I'll get your opinion of it first. Why don't you go ahead? Okay. So, it starts off, Storm and Nightcrawler are telling all the mutants to come to Krakoa. They'll live peacefully. And Kitty's like, okay, I'll see you on the other side, right? And she tries to walk through the gate, and she stopped, and it breaks her nose. For some reason, Krakoa's not letting her come in. So, you cut ahead, and it's Kitty, or sorry, she likes to be called Kate now. She's no longer Kitty. Is sailing on a boat. Instead of, you know, taking a plane, she's sailing a sailboat with Lockheed to Krakoa. And she comes aboard, and Iceman's there to meet her. She decides, and Wolverine comes running out, because, you know, they gotta have Wolverine in the book. And he comes back, and he's got a keg and a crate of booze in his arms. And he's like, you got, you did good, kid, right? They put a shopping list in the book. Uh-huh. That was great. Iceman's talking to Kitty. And she's like, I can't live here. And Iceman goes through the, the portal and she's like, hmm, show off. All of a sudden she gets a telepathic communique from the White Queen. And she needs to meet her in wherever she's at. And the White Queen is telling Kitty that she's made to do more than what she's been doing. Doesn't she understand? Or isn't she tired of the X-Men calling her Kitty and not Kate? And she's, Kate's like, I'll think about it, right? She's thinking about her proposal. She shows her the ship. If you've read House of X and Powers of Ten, there's only one spot left on the council, and that is for the Red Queen. And that's where I think this is going, that she's making Kitty the Red Queen. So their job is to go to Russia because they haven't had any uh, mutants coming through the portal from Russia. So Iceman goes to investigate the guy who's there. His suit takes away your mutant powers. And I don't know about you, Ryan, but I really didn't need to know that Bobby Drake wore a Speedo and a pair of flip-flops when he was Iceman. Didn't really need to know that. I did. Did you? Yes, inquiring minds and all. Okay, so you cut Bobby. Iceman uh, decides he's going to cut bait and run, and he jumps through the portal, right? And Kate is sitting there, and he's like, I almost died, and she's drunk at this point. And she's like, working or playing, right? He's like, I'm serious. And he's talking about there's these aggro humans that aren't letting mutants come through the gate. 
in Russia. That's why we haven't received any traffic from the Russian gate in a while. And she's like, I want to fight some aggro humans. And then she's walking with Aurora, Storm, and she... Storm basically tell, asks her if she got into Wolverine's private stock. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and then you cut to Taiwan, and there's a lady standing outside talking about how her husband has disappeared. And Bishop makes an appearance trying to explain what happened to her husband. And she's like, I don't want to hear it. And Bishop's like, I'm out of here. And then you cut to the ship and apparently pyro's back from the dead the original pyro not the fake pyro they decide they're gonna go fight the russians kind of like rocky four bada boom bada bing they just dis- they defeat them pretty er- easily kate likes the guy's sword so she takes his sword she uh call it the somebody's recording them and she's telling him to keep recording them and she makes a claim that they're the marauders which storm is not happy with but decides to stay because it's kate and she needs help and their job is to rescue mutants sailing around the world now i really like this because it had a good premise there were b characters even though bobby drake is an og x-men he has been relegated to b and c status over the years i was a fan of pyro so i'm gonna give it about a four I'm more excited for this book than I am for the X-Men book. It was an entertaining book for me. It had just enough Wolverine, and it was... One panel? Yes, and it was humorous. I don't need Wolverine. I got really excited when I saw Pyro was back. I've always kind of dug Bishop, so I'm like, okay. I wish they would have done a little bit more with him. Not a big Storm fan. Lockheed's back. That's what got me excited for it. It had its moments where it was very entertaining. Uh, This is done by Jerry Dugan. And I, he is known for writing Dare, or Daredevil, Whoa. Deadpool. So you know there's going to be a little bit of humor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons I picked it up was like, okay, well, let's check it out. I'm probably going to get the next one to see what happens with it. But this had a very much... Did you ever read Astonish, Amazing X-Men? No. It I stopped had reading that, at that point. It kind of had that feel to it where they're going out and rescuing. This is when Nightcrawler was supposedly dead, but Nightcrawler was a pirate or something. It kind of had that feel to it to okay. me. And I didn't enjoy that storyline so much. So I want to see where this goes. I'll give it another issue. You know, for me, not being a huge X-Men guy, but I did recognize the characters. And you're right, there are some B characters in there, which I asked they, for. They just, yeah, they just gave us some different people in this book, which I liked. Yes. I would have liked to see somebody else besides Storm in there. I Because you've got your establishment with yeah. Iceman and Kitty. I, I can see that, why they did it, because Kate, or Kitty and Storm have been friends since she came to the X-Men. Yeah, no, and I understand so that's, that. I, yeah, but I see what you're saying. You know, I would have loved to see some Maggot or, <laughs> or uh, he's Morrow. Com- he's coming. She's coming. <laughs> but, you know, overall, it was an enjoyable book. For me, I'd probably leave it at about a three for right now. Okay. But, you know, I'll pick up the next one and check it out and see if it's, yeah, you know, it did enough to hook me a little bit to see what's going to happen. One of the more entertaining parts in there is when the gates weren't open for Kitty, she runs right into it, and, and then the rest of the n- book, she's got a bandage over her bandage nose. Bandage over her nose, yeah, that's broken. Yeah. So, that that was enjoyable. I think... Um, go ahead. No, I... Go ahead. I think we need to know, or I do at least, I need to know where Lockheed's been. Cause See, he I didn't even been, know he was missing. He, so. ha- he hasn't been around since Excalibur got over. Hmm. 
So cool. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's a decent book. All right, who's next? All right, I'll go. All right, so Ryan gave me a book this week, and it's called Bloodhound, and it's by DC, and it was from 2004. This incarnation, or this carnation, is a, a, yeah, DC. It later got, went over to Dark Horse. Yeah. Right, yeah. I might have to check that out. This book is about an ex-Atlanta detective who gets put in prison for killing his partner, but he was really good at hunting metahumans. He's getting interviewed by, by the, like, the FBI or, yeah, it's the FBI. So they're in there, and they're trying to determine if he's mentally stable enough to go out with them on a mission. And everybody in the prison, guards, inmates, they all hate him. So once they find out that he's in a room with the FBI or in in an interrogation room and he's out in the public, they start a riot, and the whole place goes bonkers. He gets stabbed, he helps the, the FBI get out, and then he decides to join them on their hunt. It was pretty good. I liked it. No, what I. What about you? I love this book because it was a character that nobody. I mean, it didn't exist. And the run from DC was only ten issues long, so it wasn't that long of a run. I was really disappointed when it got canceled. It's an enjoyable book, you know. And sadly, it's a quarter bin book. You're going to be able to find most of them in quarter bins. I think they did a good job with this coming up with a new character, getting a new premise. Now, at the time when this came out, I I don't know this for a fact, but I like to believe that it was kind of like uh, their version of Dog the Bounty Hunter when he was popular on television. And that's what, you know, the character's kind of based off of. And it he just, you start to form some kind of an attachment to the character as the series goes on. Yeah. It did do only 10 issues for DC. Dark Horse did pick it up. They did, uh, what is it, Dark Horse Comics Presents. There's like three mini story, stories of him in that to kind of relaunch him. And then they did a five-part miniseries called uh, Bloodhound Crowbar Medicine. It did not have the same feel as the DC book. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just pick up the DC book then. I would re- I would recommend it, yeah. And like you said, it's pretty cheap, so yeah. I mean, why not? Right. Next one is by Dark Horse also, and it's The Mask. I pledge allegiance to The Mask. Mm. What do I say about this book? <laughs> super violent, super disturbing. It's not the movie. Like, the mask is nowhere what the movie portrayed it to be. He's not funny. He's disturbed. <laughs> well, I always took it with the character that whoever the mask attaches to is going to be based off of the person's innermost right. personality. So, if he attaches to the most boring guy in the world, it's going to be a boring, you know. Well, this one, he gets a, in the beginning, he's attached to a kid that, or a guy that got molested as a kid. So he's getting revenge on his foster parents. So he gets revenge, throws the mask off into the river. The mask goes to somebody else who's a politician who's running for president. And this book is all about, there's like three or four people in there. There's an ex-cop who investigated Stanley Ipkiss and the other people who wore the mask. And there's a politician who's also running against the guy that gets the mask. It's a long story about corruption and weird city government stuff. It's kind of dry until the mask shows up. I wouldn't recommend it. This was a one-time thing that I'm going to try, and I'm not going to try anymore. <laughs> All right. Next one. Scott on our Discord site recommended four books. So you like Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, some Marvel horror books. And I was going to give you the Werewolf by Night, but yeah. I read it okay. today All right. because I, I, I forgot to give it to you. Um, this is Werewolf by Night number 42. This is... From 1976. Is he fighting Iron Man? 
Yes, of course. Why not? This is by Doug Mensch and Don Perlin. And holy crap, is this book wordy. Like, <laughs> like, like when they, when kids are like, oh, it's too wordy. I'm like, no, this, this book, he describes everything he's doing as he's doing it. Because while the werewolf is running around, he's talking to himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's telling the story. He tells the the story of how he gets to New York City twice in this. It's twice? just like, yeah. So Is he getting paid by the word? I, I think so. I think they were back then. So this this book, he's he's coming back from a hunting things with Dr. Voodoo. And Voodoo? Voodoo. And now, he, like, his name is Jack Russell, like the dog. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. It's the worst name in comics for a werewolf. Jack Russell. But he figured out that he can control the transformation. 42 issues in. He can now control it. Because the other 42 issues, 41 issues, was just random. Like, it's full moon. Uh-oh. So it gives a little bit more um, flow, I guess, if he can just transform at will. Right? So he's walking down the street with his girlfriend, Topaz. She's a telepath. And they're walking through New York City. And they see somebody trying to go into a bank. And he's like, okay, well, I can transform now. So I'm going to transform and Tried to do this hero thing. Well, Iron Man is flying back home, and Jack jumps off the building, and Iron Man sees people trying to rob the bank, and they collide in midair. You know, whole superheroes meeting each other, they have to fight. So, huge misunderstanding. Iron Man is whooping the crap out of him. Like, when we were playing Marvel, and you were still getting so pissed that you couldn't hit my character. Yo, pretty much. The werewolf is getting pissed because he can't scratch Iron Man. He's just <laughs> like, I'm doing everything I can, I can't even hurt this guy. So... He takes, like, trash cans and starts beating him down with them. And, like, he's using them as shields, and it's just really weird. So, at the time, there's a guy called the Marauder. He's from the Daredevil comics. He's from Iron Man. He's robbing the bank to get some money to finance some weird operation that he's going to do. And he comes out of the bank, and he shoots Iron Man. And Iron Man gets in front of Jack, and they both go colliding into a wall. Jack gets knocked out. Iron Man picks him up, carries him back to Avengers Mansion. This is really funny. And he's like, wait here. Don't freak Jarvis out. <laughs> so Iron Man knocks on the door. Jarvis answers it. He's like, Jarvis, I know you've been in the, in the, with the Avengers for a long time. Don't freak when you see my companion. And Jarvis is like, no, it's okay. I've been with the Avengers a long time. I've, I've seen a lot of crap. In comes a werewolf. And Jarvis goes, oh, my freaking God. <laughs> <laughs> Just freaks out. Yeah. And uh, so... They they put... He's worried about cleaning up all that shedding. Yeah. <laughs> they put Jack on like a divan, right? Like it's a couch. And he goes to sleep. And Iron Man goes away, comes back as Tony Stark, and does the whole, you know, I'm I'm Tony Stark, and Iron Man's my bodyguard kind of horrible cover. But he's like, if you really want to help Iron Man out, go meet him at this place, right? And this is Jack, like the werewolf becomes Jack again, and Jack's laying on the couch, and... He's like, well, I'm not going to do any good like this. Let me let me transform real quick. And Jarvis is kind of like, yes, yes, I want to watch this. You know, and he creeps out Jack. Like Jack's like, what? You just want to watch me change? Yeah, I do. Hey, <laughs> okay. it's just this weird, weird encounter. And the Marauder is stealing money to. He made a Tri Man before. It was like this weird android that he put like three different people into, three different crooks. Well, now he's making a tri-animal man. So he's, taken, so he's taking like animals out of the zoo and like this drunk guy's like, flying rhinoceroses. Oh man, I must be drinking too much. And 
just weird craps. This is just a this typical is a weird, weird book. And they end up going and fighting the Trianimal Man later. This book is so weird, but I I actually really kind of dig it now. Like I back in the day, I was like, nah, it's Werewolf by Night. I mean, how where can this go? Other than the Moon Knight book, this book is worthless. But now I I kind of like it. Cool. It's goofy and it's weird and totally seventies. Awesome. Other than it's a lot of words, <laughs> like a lot. But he does have the worst name in comics, other than Barbed Wire. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. So I already know. I know I did a Blastosaurus before, but this was Halloween Comic Fest Blastosaurus. It's a little bit smaller than a standard comic. This thing was weird. All the other Blastosaurus I've read, there's some humor to it. It's really enjoyable. Blah blah blah. Yet no, this this went off the rails somewhere. I don't I don't know how this kid-friendly book so blastosaurus and the two kids are at a carnival and they got a you know a couple of comments in here where like blastosaurus is talking about oh yeah the ferris wheel you're strapped in so if it does roll off and rolls around town you're staying upright the whole time and yeah it's like okay interesting but they the two kids wander off and they go over to a booth throw an axe booth and they have all these stuffed animals attached to strings and if you throw an axe and you cut the string and it lands on the ground, you get that stuffed animal. Okay, simple enough. Kid's like, I don't want to really do it, and then he sees Blastosaurus stuffed animal. Second kid's like, um, this is a little weird since Blastosaurus is more of a local hero than a nationwide hero. Why does he have a stuffed animal Blastosaurus? Kid throws the axe anyhow and misses, and he tells the old man, okay, I'm going to go get Blastosaurus. We're going to come back. I want him to see this, and when they get back, the tent's closed, and the one kid starts knocking on the tent, and the second kid goes, you do realize you're knocking on a tent, right? So, I mean, it's got some humor to it. But um, Blastosaurus is like, no, let's go right on the Ferris wheel. So they go take off. Well, the one kid's having a dream about it. And he wakes up holding an axe and calls his friend and goes, we're going to go back into the carnival. I'm going to throw another axe at this to get this Blastosaurus stuffed animal. They get in there and the old man's waiting for him. He's like, oh, you came back. Congratulations. Great. And... The other friend throws the axe this time, cuts the rope where Blastosaurus is attached, hits the ground, and then the true Blastosaurus, like, lands on the ground. And they're walking off with the Blastosaurus doll, and the last page, you flip the page, everybody's turned into Muppets, and the true people are hanging upside down in this tent. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> I... I I, I don't know what to say after that fun little story again. Probably, I, I, I've got a 13-year-old. I don't know if I'd have him read this because it's probably going to creep the crap out of him before he goes to bed. Because I, I know I'm creeped out. I'm like, what in the... But yeah, that was a Halloween Comic Fest book. The next one I did was... So when I was at the shop this weekend, filing away, I ran across Crimson, a cliffhanger book. We talked about cliffhanger with Danger Girl, and they also did Battle Chasers. And Crimson was the longest running of the series, like straight through. And it's about a kid that is a vampire. And this is the Dynamic Forces issue number one. So I was thinking it was like issue number one. No, completely different story. He's in the cemetery talking to somebody and a plant comes to life and starts attacking him. It's like a demon plant. And so Crimson bites him and he's like, oh, you got more guts than I thought you did. So he runs off. Crimson's chasing him. And this plant creature ends up at his parents' apartment. And the parent dad's like, 
hey, have you met our new son? And he names this demon as their new son. And Crimson's like, what? And he's like, well, you didn't want to stay around anymore. We needed to replace you. So we adopted this guy. And he gets in a battle with the plant-like creature again. And it just, just disappears. And then this gal shows up and goes, you're more powerful than I thought you were. And gives him a kiss. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, this had to be a nightmare. I, I don't know what's happening. And his mentor is like, uh-oh, the darkness has found us. And that's where it left off to lead into more Crimson stories. This wasn't a fantastic one. I, I didn't care for this one too much. But with the other Crimson books and everything, I almost got the whole run. I think I missed in like three issues from it. And uh, I really enjoy the Crimson storyline as a whole once you know the character. This is probably not a good place to start off with Crimson. You probably should start off with issue one and then read it and then come into this a little bit later so you know what the character's all about. But uh, for a fun little read, it wasn't bad. And uh, Ramos did it, and he was known for doing all of the Spider-Man books back way back when. What was that? Late, early 2000s, late 90s, to early 2000s, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, the art style would be recognizable to any of the Spider-Man fans out there. That's what I got. So now we're going to move on to the list. And this week's top 10 is our top 10 horror scary movie villains. I'll go first. I have number 10, Jack Torrance. Number 9, The Killer Robots from Chopping Mall. Number 8, Ghost Face. Number 7, Annie Wilkes from Misery. Number 6, Norman Bates. Number 5, Chucky. Number 4, Pinhead. Number 3, Jason. Number 2, Freddy. And number one, Michael Myers. Hmm. Good ones. For mine. So I, I looked at it a little bit differently. I was just thinking of characters from literature or movies that kind of gave me the willies. So number 10, Stripe from Gremlins. Number nine, The Toilet Ghoul from Ghouls 2. Number eight, The Rancor from Return of the Jedi. That thing creeped me out. That is some scary shit, let me tell you. See how I tore that guy in half? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, jeez. Number seven, Pale Man. Number six, the Phantom from the original Phantom of the Opera. That guy was like freaking creepy before they did the cool mask thing and he became like a pipe pop icon kind of thing. Yeah, no. Five's Pinhead. Four, the robot from Scooby Doo. When they go to the amusement park and that robot's like chasing them around. That thing was freaking creepy. Three, Jason. Two, Freddy. And number one, Pennywise. I actually forgot about Pennywise. Oh, they, I am very anti-clowns. That that thing just... Mm. All right, Nick. What do you have? Number 10, The Scarecrows from Supernatural Season 1. I think it's Episode 2. Number 9, Christine, the car. Number 8, mm-hmm. The Tall Man from, from Phantasm. Uh, number 7, Count Alucard from Son of Dracula. Number 6, The Wolfman. Number five, The Invisible Man. Number four, Jason Voorhees. Number three, Gozer the Gozerian. Number two, Michael Myers. And number one, The Gill Man from The Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's a good one. My honorable mention is Cujo. Cujo's pretty creepy. Cujo used to creep me out. All right. All different lists again. Yep. Awesome. We have different tastes. So. Yep. All right. Anybody got anything else? No, I don't have nothing this week. I don't got anything. Well, you know, I don't have anything. (laughs) So, yeah. Have fun. Read more comics. It's been Kirk, Brian, and Nick. See you guys.
started to laugh about Well, the memories have all changed since you hung around But those dreams have remained and they've turned around Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? Come back. 